Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Do you want to be like Jesus? Do you have a heart to live and move and act and love and give and forgive like Jesus did? Let's open our Bible now to John chapter 4 and look at the incredible and loving character of our Lord and Savior and Master and King and God, Jesus Christ. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It's a Monday morning here in Texas. Hopefully y'all are just loving on Jesus, loving in Jesus. What do I mean by in Jesus, right? Everything, everything we do, right? We want to live for Jesus, love for Jesus, give for Jesus and forgive for Jesus, right? Forgive in Jesus. You want to do everything in and with the heart of Jesus Christ more and more and more and more. You want to do it for Jesus and in Jesus and how Jesus would do it. Jesus is everything, okay? It's only in Jesus that we have relationship with God our Father. It's only in Jesus that his spirit, the Holy Spirit, lives inside of us and leads us and guides us and counsels us and comforts us. It's all about Jesus. Everything is about Jesus from beginning to end, from our first breath to our last. It's about Jesus Christ. And so uh, hopefully you're spending time with him, growing to know him, growing to love him and growing to, to, to obey him more and to be like him more. Right. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, today we're going to begin John chapter four. I don't know how many verses we'll get through, maybe uh, maybe verse 9. I'm not sure if we'll get that far, but um, we're going to go ahead and pray. And we will read the scriptures and we will get rolling. Well, Father, we thank you for the living word of God. We thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for our Bible. We thank you that our Bible is a holy Bible. Father, above all, we thank you for Jesus our only Lord and Savior and Master and King and God. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we are the bride of Christ. We thank you that we are part of the body of Christ. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are King. We love you and worship you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now. Give us eyes that see you and ears that hear you. Open our hearts to the living word of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, John 4, uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 4. I'm going to start reading in verse 1. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. 
When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay. Um, verse 1. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Verse 2. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. And verse 3. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. We see that, that Jesus's notoriety, Jesus was becoming more and more and more known. As a matter of fact, John the Baptist would have been known in, in an incredible way. And now it says that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. And Jesus's ministry is growing. Jesus's influence is growing. Jesus's popularity is growing. And, and this is not, a, regrettably, this is not an uncommon thing. It says that the Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples. And the reason Jesus leaves is because they're not happy about it. Really, the greatest thing that can happen in our world today is for Jesus Christ to be gaining more and more influence, more and more notoriety, more and more power in our country, in the United States of America, and everywhere in the world. The single greatest thing that can happen to any person any home, any town, any city, any county, any state, any country, any world, anywhere, is that Jesus Christ is gaining more disciples. The greatest thing that can happen in any place, anywhere, anytime, is that Jesus Christ is gaining more disciples. More people want to know Jesus. More people want to love Jesus. More people want to live for Jesus. More people are coming to understand that they're, they're, they're desperate, hopeless, helpless, sinful people. And their only hope is to run to Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins and the salvation of their soul. And then they want, they, they want to grow to know Jesus better and become his disciples. There's nothing more important than that. In Matthew 28, 18 to 20, Jesus said that, that all authority in heaven and earth had been given to him. Therefore, go and make disciples. We're supposed to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Okay? We're not supposed to make Christians. We're not supposed to make churches. Now, again, churches are a good thing. We need churches. We need to go to church. Okay? And you got to be a Christian before you can become a disciple. A disciple of Jesus is a disciplined follower of Jesus. Right, Peyton? Um, someone who spends time with Jesus throughout the day. 
someone who's growing to know Jesus Christ, someone who has a desire and is walking out that desire to obey Jesus more and more and more and more. That's a disciple of Jesus. A Christian is someone who believes in Jesus and who has received Jesus Christ into their heart and is genuinely trusting and relying on him and him alone as their only Lord and Savior. You have to become a Christian, right? You have to be saved from your sins first. And then from there, you, you begin the life of a disciple with Jesus Christ living in you as a Christian. All Christians have Jesus Christ living in them. And as such, it ought to be our desire to be disciples of Jesus Christ, not just converts or Christians of Jesus Christ. But not everybody's going to be happy about that. Even in our church culture today, we have a tremendous territorialism in the body of Christ today. When, when we hear that one church or one people or one ministry or one pastor or whatever it is, is gaining more people for Jesus, we ought to be delighted about it. We ought to be excited about it, right? Now, hopefully, these ministries are, are teaching the living word of God. They're teaching it properly because that's where you want to be. You want to be a part of a church, part of a ministry that, that teaches the word of God, that exalts Jesus Christ by name constantly, okay? Um, if you're in a church and you don't hear about Jesus, on an extremely consistent basis, every time you're there, then you don't need to be there, okay? If you're part of a ministry, okay, and Jesus Christ is not the center of it, then you don't need to be a part of it, okay? Because everything is about Jesus, okay? But it says the Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing. Now Jesus is outpacing John. People are running to Jesus. They're being baptized by Jesus's disciples, and, uh, and, and people aren't happy. Um, and the Pharisees are, are upset about it because they believe people ought to be going to them. And again, like I said, this same spirit, uh, regrettably, is in the church today. Um, you know, we believe people, of course, always ought to be coming to us, right, or our church or our ministry. But as long as they're a part of a good, sound Bible-based, Bible-studying, Christ-filled, Christ-centered church and ministry where Jesus is exalted, right? And the word of God is taught. Relationship is encouraged with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ. Then we ought to be, be excited that people are there. But Jesus has to, has to leave, right? doesn't have to. He chooses to leave because it's not, it's not the time for him to, to, to get involved with them. Now, near the end of his life, he will submit himself to what the Father had sent him to do and what he willingly submitted to do, and these people will turn him over to be crucified. <clears throat> but it says in verse 3, <clears throat> excuse me, when the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more. So when he, when he, when, you know, when he's told that the Pharisees are getting agitated, um, they know that everyone's running after you. He doesn't stay there and agitate the situation. You know, he goes ahead and moves on, you know, back to Galilee, um, which is the base of their ministry. 
Okay. Um, it says in verse two, it's interesting fact. It says, although in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. Why was that? Why did Jesus not do the work of baptism, but he had his disciples do it? We see in John, um, I believe it's chapter 13, where Jesus washes his disciples' feet. So it's not that this is below him, just Jesus Christ is God. But we see a principle in here that Jesus empowers his ministers to do what they can do, okay? Certainly Jesus could get in the water to baptize, but his disciples certainly can do this, all right? As ministers of Jesus Christ today, as servants of Jesus Christ today, as Christians, as disciples, Jesus's desire is to empower you to do the work of the ministry, to do the work of advancing the kingdom of God in and through Jesus Christ our Lord. So he empowers them and allows them to do the things that they can do. It should be the same with you and I today. Jesus Christ is calling you to do what you can do. Okay, Maybe you can't uh, give a Bible teaching and that's not where your gifting is. But maybe your gifting is serving in one of a hundred other ways, right? How can you serve the kingdom of God today? How can you serve the body of Christ today? And I'm not talking about just on Sunday mornings. We ought to be looking to serve the kingdom of God and the body of Christ wherever we go, right? And surely you have ways you can do that, right, Scott? So, um, and the other thing is, John the Baptist, as you recall, as we just, as we just learned in the previous three chapters, John the Baptist did himself do the work of baptizing, Okay. Jesus Christ did not. Okay. Now, both of them are baptizing people to, you know, in the way of repentance, that they want to live a more holy and godly life. Okay. Um, they're, they're putting them in the baptism waters as a symbol of just their, their cleansing and their repentant heart to live a more godly life. John and Jesus's disciples were baptizing for this, this repentance, but Jesus does not baptize. So we, the, the Bible is giving us that there is a there is a difference. OK, Jesus is not the same as anybody. OK, Jesus is not the same. John the Baptist, one of the greatest ministers ever. OK, Jesus said of John the Baptist, and you'll see the scripture on the bottom of the screen, that of those born of women, there was never one greater than John the Baptist. Think about that. All of us have been born of women. He said there has never been one greater than than John the Baptist. You got to go to heaven to be greater than John the Baptist. But Jesus Christ is so set above John the Baptist. John the Baptist himself said that, that he's not worthy to untie Jesus's sandals. Um, and so Jesus, uh, the scripture gives us a, a very clear delineation, okay? That both are baptizing, but Jesus doesn't do the work of baptizing, okay? All right, verse four. It says, now we had to go through Samaria, five. So we came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. 
It was about the sixth hour. Now he had to go through Samaria. It's interesting, um, historically, during this time, right, Jose? Um, Jewish people would avoid Samaria at all costs. They would take the longer route so as not to go through Samaria. Now, why is that? Samaria was a town where, where, where Jews and Gentiles had, had intermarried. Now, remember, there's only two types of people in the Bible, Jewish people and everybody else that's not Jewish. And those are called Gentiles. And so Samaria were, was a town where people had, had mixed, where Jews were marrying Gentiles. And so the Jews found this abhorrent, okay? They, um, they, they, were, they, they, were, they were very much prejudiced against the Samaritans. Um, and it was, it's been said that they were even prejudiced against them more than they were uh, Gentiles, right? So they were so disgusted, they wouldn't even speak to a Samaritan. They would go around the entire town and uh, do all they could to, to stay away from it. Um, you could even say they were racist. They did look down on Samaritans. So when it says he had to go through Samaria, as you go through this story, you're going to find that, that the entire town is going to be led to Jesus Christ. Um, and so he chooses to go through Samaria. It's not that he has to, but it was according to his plan that he's going to choose to go through here. And we're going to learn many remarkable things about this. Now, he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. And we're going to see um, where he meets this woman and she's going to speak about this well. It says in verse 6, Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. You ever get tired from the journey of life, May? And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sometimes we just get tired. Sometimes we just get worn out, you know? And it's interesting that the scripture points this out. It points to Jesus's humanity here. In the first three chapters, the book starts, remember, in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. The Apostle John, who wrote this book, wanted us to know clearly that Jesus Christ is God. But he also goes out of his way here to show us that, that Jesus allowed himself as God to experience all aspects of humanity, to experience what we experience. And so John tells us here that Jesus was tired. Been a long day, 
We, we can't even imagine what it's like to be God and to enter into a sinful world and to have to deal with human beings all the time. And so it's, it's, Jesus is tired. It says it was the sixth hour. And so when it says the sixth hour of the day would have started at 6 a.m., so you would count six hours from 6 a.m., so the sixth hour would be noon, okay? Um, everything started at 6 a.m., and so the sixth hour, you would add six hours, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. So it was noon. And because he's tired, it said he sat down by the well. Verse 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. Jesus is tired and he's thirsty. Clearly, right? Now, to understand just what a, uh, what a massive cultural faux pas this would have been. Oftentimes, fathers would not talk to their wife or daughter in public. A Jewish man would almost never talk to a woman in public. And as far as a Samaritan, they wouldn't talk, they would never utter a word to a Samaritan man or woman. Um, but especially a woman just because, you know, it could have been viewed as if, you know, you were, uh, you know, you, you were, you were soliciting her, right, for, for, for sex. Um, and so never would you do this. We're even told in verse 9, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And, and again, the reason they didn't associate with them is they looked down on them. They thought that they were inferior. They thought that they were just disgusting people. And, you know, obviously we have these problems in our world today. We, we, we all struggle with prejudice and there are many people who struggle with racism, right? Um, and in this text, it's clear that 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 the Jewish people of Jesus' day were prejudiced and racist against against uh, the Samaritans. They thought some. They thought themselves superior. They thought themselves uh, just better in every way, and they looked down on the Samaritans as if they were a. A, a gross and disgusting people. It was horrible. But not Jesus. And that's what's going to make this, this story so incredible, right? Jesus apparently doesn't, doesn't go by these rules. You could see the woman is, is a little put off by him. Verse 9, the Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? What is she saying to him? Buddy, why are you talking to me? We don't talk. Why are you even talking to me? Try to imagine that. Try to imagine that, that you're having 
a long day. Jesus was tired from the journey. He sits down at the well. And all, all he does was ask this lady for a drink of water. She's come to the well. She's got the bucket. She's there to draw water anyway. And all he asks her was a very simple request. Will you give me a drink? And he's met with, instead of her saying, absolutely. Let me get you that drink of water. Looks like you're a little tired. Looks like it's been a long day. Instead of getting that, he's met with, you know, don't, don't you understand the cultural standard? Don't you understand that we hate each other? Don't you understand that you Jews hate us? Apparently, Jesus doesn't understand that. Apparently, Jesus doesn't think it's below him to speak to this woman. Apparently, Jesus loves this woman and is concerned about this woman and will speak to this woman as much as he will any Jew. So you notice Jesus has no prejudice. Jesus has no racism. We learn here, this is an incredible picture. This is God. Not only does he not look down on her, the story is going to go on as we read on. He's going to tell her that she's had five husbands and the man that she's now with is not her husband, meaning very probably she's with somebody else's husband. Not only that, but when he makes the simplest of requests, try to imagine this. Try, try to imagine, rap, you make the most simple request. It's been a long day. It's been a stressful day. And you come home and you just make a very, very simple request. Like, can I have a glass of water? And you just got to get shot down. Imagine how hard that would be. The vast majority of us would respond in anger, in frustration, in irritation, and we would lash out. Right, Rep? I mean, I'm tired from the journey. It's been a long day. It's hot outside. I just want to sit here and drink a glass of water. You got the bucket right there, and you got to read me the rules of society about why you and I don't talk and why we shouldn't talk. Do you think Jesus knew the rules? I, I imagine he did. But apparently he didn't submit to those rules because they're sinful, because they're wrong. It says here, Jews don't associate with Samaritans. Jesus is, in fact, Jewish, completely Jewish. But apparently he does. Matter of fact, he chose to go through the whole town knowing that by the end of this, this whole town would give their lives to Jesus Christ. Wow. If, if I was there and it had been a long day, I might be defeated right here. I might have sent this woman away worse than she already was. We're going to find out she's had five husbands. She's been used up by five men, thrown away by five men. Now she's being used up by another guy, right? So she is hurt. But Jesus, Jesus clearly is aware of this. 
sometimes hurt people come to us and you got to see this. Sometimes when we're dealing with someone who has hurts and wounds, right? And they're emotionally fragile and agitated and frustrated. Sometimes they lash out at us. Sometimes we can be very nice and they can be very angry in return. How, how do we respond in those situations? When you make a seemingly very simple and innocent and loving request, and you're met with just, with just rebuke. You just get shut down. Why are you talking to me? What, what, we don't talk. You know we don't talk. Why are you even talking to me? Imagine what you would have said. Again, I'm trying to put myself in this situation. Tired from the journey, Scott, been a long day. And uh, yeah, you know, I just want to make this simple request and bam, I just get shut down. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? I, I think I might have said, lady, I know that. I know that I'm a Jew. I'm just trying to get a glass of water here. OK, it's been a long day. Can you help a brother out, please? And like I said, I'd have been defeated because I'm a baby. And oftentimes I confess when I make simple requests, it could be to the people in the ministry, my kids, it could be anybody. But when I make simple requests and I don't get just the simple accommodation, oftentimes I don't manage the situation well. And Father, I do ask you to forgive me. Because when I look at Jesus here, he, he's, he's, he's so cool, there's no words. And I want to be like him. Because he doesn't get angry. He doesn't get what he, he asks for. And basically, he's going to go on to tell her, she doesn't give him his drink. But he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna let her know that, you know what, if you don't want to give me a drink, you can ask me and, and I'll give you a drink, but I'll give you a different kind of water, a different kind of living water. And so when, when you and I don't get what we want, like a drink of water, are we willing in return to give people what they need? When we don't get what we want, Becky, are we willing to give people what they need? It's hard, right? He doesn't get his drink here. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. He doesn't even get offended. Seemingly unbothered. And she basically tells him to shut up. Why are you talking to me? He doesn't listen to that either. He doesn't pay any attention to the nonsense tradition just because everybody else don't talk to Samaritans don't mean Jesus doesn't just because everybody else may be prejudiced against Samaritans don't mean that Jesus is because he's not 
And again, this is a uh, this is an incredible picture of the love of Christ that we ought to have for all people, all races, all nationalities, everywhere. Okay. Um, again, Samaritans came about as Jews intermarried with non-Jews or Gentiles. They would be they would have been considered half-breeds or mongrels, right? It was it was insulting beyond you know beyond reason. And you want to check in your own heart. Do you have a, a propensity to desire one people over a next, one nationality over another? Right? Even, you know, many of us can long, you know, for our own countries, right? Like if we're from England, do we like English people? And, you know, some of that is, is natural, is that your home? But ultimately, as Americans, we ought to love everyone because we are Christians. We're disciples of Jesus Christ before we're anything else. So, yeah, let me say that again. You're an American second. You're a Christian first. Okay? You're a Singaporean second, Gwenda. You're a Christian first. You are a part of the United Kingdom second. You're, you're a Christian first. Some of us have this tremendous patriotic, you know, um, just desire for our country. And that's a good thing. But you ought to have a greater patriotism and devotion to Jesus Christ than you do your country. Does that make sense? Search your heart. Father, I ask you to help us to search our hearts and minds to see where any of this prejudice or even racism lives in us, Lord. And I pray wherever we see it, whoever we are, Lord, that we would repent, Lord, that we would be the type of men and women, Lord, that, that, that would lovingly speak to this woman, that we wouldn't look down on her, that we wouldn't hold her past against her, and that even when she was a little bit, little bit hostile to us, we would be thoughtful and loving to her. Father, I ask you to help us that even when we don't get what we want, that we're willing to give people what they need. Mm. It's... Uh, yeah. We're going to we're going to stop there. It uh it's just it's something to meditate on as we continue to unfold the story. You're going to see in verse 10 that you know when she explains to him that it's not for for him to ask her for a drink. He says to her, "Okay, you don't want to give me what you want." You don't want to give me what I asked. Verse 10, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So Jesus doesn't respond in anger. He doesn't, he doesn't even own her offense. You know, it was, it's been said before that the more offendable we are, the more immature we are. And most of us can be very, very offendable in the, in the church today.
I'm going to read to you 11 and 12, and you're going to enjoy this. And again, we're going to go back and teach these. So again, Jesus says, okay, you don't want to give me a, a glass of water? If you knew who I was, you'd ask me, and I would give you a different kind of water, a living water, a living life that'll pulsate in you. <laughs> Look what she says. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? <laughs> right, Matthew? Where, where, where are you going to get the water? What are you even talking about? You can't give me no living water. You ain't even got no bucket. Matter of fact, buddy, you need what I got. Because I got the bucket. That's what she just told him, right? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus doesn't need her bucket, right? No, he doesn't. But then she's going to set it off in verse 12. Look at verse 12. She's talking to him still. Are you greater than our father Jacob? See what I mean? Again, almost all of us would have been defeated by now. We would have been irritable. We'd have sent this woman away. We would have, we would have uh, snapped back at her. We would have sent her away worse than she came. We would have added to it. Are you greater than our father Jacob? I'd have said, lady, matter of fact, I am. I created your father Jacob. Matter of fact, I created the world he lives in. Matter of fact, I created the air he breathes and the sun that goes in the sky. I created that moon too. Lady, I created you. I want to be like Jesus, but, but I'm not in so many ways. I mean, what would you have said when you're just, you're trying, he's going out of his way to be a blessing and he just gets one, two, three. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with. You can't help me. You can't get me no living water. You don't have no bucket. Matter of fact, you need my help, Jesus. Are you greater than our father, Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and his herds. There's something about Jesus that he never takes it personal. He never gets offended. He never gets hurt. He never answers her on her terms according to her hurt, her bitterness, you know, her traditions with Jews and Samaritans not, uh, not speaking. He's just consistently loving and patient. Mm. Well, we'll pick it up from there next time. And uh, it's just powerful. It's just powerful. Father, we do thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. We thank you for the living word of God. Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy and your favor and your goodness on our lives, Lord. Father, above all, we thank you for Jesus again, our Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we, we thank you for this incredible example that you've given to us of love and of mercy, Lord, of all-consuming love with, with, with no prejudice, Lord, at all. Lord, your willingness to love and to talk to and to minister to everyone. And I ask you to help us to, to have that heal us, Lord, just where we have, where all of us have, Lord, these ideas of certain people that we like better than others, Lord, or where we just have a tendency to look down on people for, could be any reasons, Lord, Lord, we may look down on them for 
It could be the color of their skin. It could be because they're they're overweight. It could be because they're underweight. It could be the color of their hair. It could be because of the car they drive. Could it be the house they live in or don't live in? Lord, I just ask you to forgive us just the uh, where we where we're like this, Lord. And I ask you to help us to lovingly associate with with all those you put before us in every manner and in every way. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us and go forth now and help us to be more like Jesus. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.